Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, hour number three of the show. It is noon on a Tuesday, even though it feels like a Monday, but uh, it is Tuesday, and it's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here as always. Aaron? So it looks like the Arizona Cardinals have found their OC in D.C. and SC, right? As they're reportedly hiring Browns quarterbacks coach Drew Petzing as their offensive coordinator and Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rollis as their defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on the hires? Uh, I mean, it's. I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach on all this because these guys are all in roles they've never been in. But I I do like the enthusiasm that Jonathan Gannon's bringing to this job. And it's not just what he said to Peter King about how they're going to run things on offense. I like the connection that he and Nick Rallis have. You know, it's not two guys meeting each other for the first time on this job. It sounds like, talking to Dave Spadaro earlier, that everybody in Philadelphia knew if Gannon went somewhere, Rallis was going with him. Yeah. I'm intrigued by this defense. I really am. Yeah, you know, the Nick Rallis hire um, is very interesting to me, knowing how young the guy is. But again, I think Jonathan Gannon is going to be heavily involved on the defensive side of the ball with the Arizona Cardinals' Ron Wolfley reporting. So I think that's going to be more of a collaboration right there. Um, It's the Drew Petzing hire that has my attention right now. I love this hire for a couple of reasons. Number one, the personnel groupings the Cleveland Browns used last season. That's number one. And the plays that they use and ran as well. That's got my attention. I love it. And number two, the words that I heard Jonathan Gannon speak over the weekend about his vision for this offense. You put those two things together right there. Jonathan Gannon and his vision for this offense of having two significant offenses blended into one. And the fact that Drew Petzing came from a team that probably did it as well as anybody in the league. The blending of the old and the new. Love it. What do you think about Jeff Rogers? Oh, well, Jeff Rogers, of <laughs> course, slam dunk the fact they're bringing him back. He's one of the best special teams coaches in the National Football League. You know how I know that, Basin Onions? There's been three different coaching staffs that have been here. He's been on all three of them. Yeah, that, that says something, right? I mean, it, almost always you're going to get full turnover, or close to full turnover when you switch head coaches. The Cardinals have done it now three times in the last five-ish, yeah, five years, and he's stuck around through all of them. So it's that's, not like he's had a ton of talent either at the skilled positions in transition, and yet all they do is produce. I want to be excited about these hires, and, and I'm not like down on them. I just, I, I got to see how it plays out, but uh, I will say this the buzz around the league and maybe this shouldn't say anything but the buzz around the football world for Jonathan Gannon getting this job is the exact opposite of what it was when Cliff Kingsbury got this job now some of that I think there was some some resentfulness but some of it I'm going to look at it from the Gannon side there seems to be a lot of people that were like yeah he was going to get he was going to get a head coaching job oh, he was destined for it so you're saying the NFL Anadi 
approves. Interesting. Possibly. Peter King with Football Morning in America had a conversation with Cardinals new head coach Jonathan Gannon over the weekend in which Gannon said... Quote, I think we can take him to another level and unleash his full skill set, he being Kyler. So he goes, we're not going to put him in the gun all the time. I'll tell you that. We'll have two significant offenses with his skill set, one being under center and one being in the gun. So when you guys had Peter King on earlier this morning, you guys asked, how is Kyler viewed around the league and what does Gannon hope to do? With a lot of skepticism. Because, uh, you know, are you going to be able to, like what Jonathan Gannon says, um, I want to have two different offenses, one from under center and one in the gun. Um, And that's a little bit of an exaggeration. You're not going to have two totally different offenses. But I do think that one of the things when you you look at what uh, Jonathan Gannon and and obviously Drew Petzing, who's going to be the offensive coordinator, um, who they got to know each other in Minnesota, um, I think that one of the things that you're trying to do is have a little bit more of the element of surprise or the element of uncertainty at the quarterback position. Is this music to your guys' ears? This is how big of a deal yes. it is. And, yes. and Maloney knows this because she was on the text thread. Not only was Wolf texting yesterday, Wolf was texting in all caps. Like, you were one step away from an emoji when you heard this news. Yeah, I was pretty jacked up. There's no doubt. This is exactly what um, I think needs to happen to the Arizona Cardinals offense and to Kyler Murray going forward. So... Man, when I read that from Peter King in regard to Jonathan Gannon and where he sees this offense going, that was great news if you're a Cardinal. Uh, and I love this line, too, real quick from that uh, from that answer. Quote, that's the missing piece I thought they had with Kyler. They were in gun all the time. When you're in gun all the time, you don't make the defense defend certain play types, unquote. Well, Jonathan Gannon's defense played the Cardinals earlier this season, and I'm guessing he hasn't watched film of every single Cardinals game since he got hired a couple days ago ago that was the book on the cardinals offense say they only go into shotgun we know what they're doing and wolf it looked like it it looked like teams had figured the cardinals out last year exactly right not only just last year but remember the last three two years before that at the end of the season right so this is this is how you destroy that at least control what you can control that was maddening we'll have two significant offenses two what would that mean? What does he mean by that? Do you like this, Wolf? What does he mean by it? <laughs> Mel, the old and the new. That's the two significant offenses. Next! It was All-Star Weekend in the NBA this past weekend, and Kevin Durant spoke to the media and said he believes the Suns can find chemistry quickly. If you're locked in enough, um, it can happen pretty fast. You've got veteran players that know how to play the game and no different terminology, so I think, you know, we put our mind to it, it can happen pretty quickly. How long do you think it will take the Suns to find the chemistry with KD? Uh, hopefully less than 22 games. That's all I really care about. Talent does what talent does, ladies and gentlemen. Ron Wolfie reporting. Um, I think it's not going to take these guys long, especially when you have Chris Paul as a facilitator. <laughs> He's going to figure that out real quick, I think. Go on now. Scratch your butt. Katie was also asked if he were in a zombie apocalypse, 
which one of his teammates would he bring with him? To which he answered, DeAndre Ayton. This was the, the, the tweet I was trying to send you. Where you were like, what are you what? sending me? So then we saved it. That I don't know who asks that question, but the fact that Kevin Durant's <laughs> answer to any question isn't Chris Paul or Devin Booker, it's DeAndre Ayton. That's that's interesting to me. Wow. It's interesting. Wow. What kind What is going on there? Why would he say DeAndre Ayton? The first thing I would think of is Devin Booker, right? You think of Book, the smoldering Devin Booker. Well, so we got to have a little bit of fun with this. I got to put you guys on the spot. So if you guys were in a zombie apocalypse, which one of your coworkers would you bring with you? (laughs) Rick is raising his hand. I don't think it would be Rick. Russ. (laughs) I'm bringing you, Mel. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I'm trying to look. Is there anybody out there in the newsroom I trust? In the, I mean, Maloney is so locked in. Yeah, it'd probably be you. I feel like you set us up with this question. Uh, no, the, I absolutely didn't. You you would... The male prefix is there for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. I would trust you to get stuff done more than anybody else in this building. I hope they're all listening right now. <laughs> all of you out there. 100%. All right, that was Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. When we come back, what kind of offense will Drew Petzing run in Arizona? Oh, I, I... <laughs> no offense, right? <laughs> Browns reporter for ESPN, Jake Trotter, is going to join us next. Wolf, you have to let Jake Trotter talk when he joins us. Okay. You can't just go on about the offense. Okay. This is, this is right, the ground right. rule. Okay. This is good. Drew. He's going to join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. Cardinals filling out that coaching staff. And we got into the uh, Nick Rallis hiring earlier, but how about Drew Petzing to get some perspective on that? Jake Trotter, Cleveland Browns ESPN reporter, is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. Jake, thank you for the time. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. What's going on? Uh, a lot. <laughs> but as far as the Cardinals yeah. are trying to make sense of this uh, this new coaching staff, and specifically Drew Petzing is... You know, he's a relative unknown, I would I would say, outside of Cleveland. What can you tell us? You know, what, what's the first thing that pops to your mind when people ask you about him? Yeah, no, he was uh, the quarterback's coach in Cleveland for only one year. Uh, you know, before that, he was coaching uh, tight ends. Uh, they made that move last offseason before they made the Deshaun Watson trade. So initially it looked like Petsing was going to coach Baker Mayfield before they uh, moved on from him. Um, had kind of obviously a weird year, just like uh, the rest of the franchise did. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was top 10 in the NFL and QBR. Uh, now, Alex Van Pelt, who's the, the offensive coordinator, and Kevin Stefanski, who's the head coach and the play caller uh, offensively, are all in the room, you know, with the quarterbacks. But, um, you know, Petsing had a great reputation in, in Cleveland. He's a good guy. Uh, you know, just getting to know him a little bit uh, on the side as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting in that, you know, he is an unknown in terms of a play caller uh, and an offensive coordinator, but I think a guy uh, that that's really well thought of, at least here, and one of the reasons why, you know, they moved him from tight ends to uh, offensive coordinator before last season. So, Jake, I'm sorry, I've got to turn my microphone on. So, Jake, when... When you think of Drew, what was his relationship like with Alex Van Pelt? I'm very interested in that. 
Yeah, pretty positive. Uh, you know, from what I could tell, you know, I never heard of any issues. I, I think they had a pretty good working relationship. Uh, you know, the offensive assistants uh, with, with Stefanski calling the plays, you know, Val Pe- Van Pelt doing a lot of the game planning along with Kevin and then Petzing, you know, as the position coach. Uh, you know, he, you know, worked with, with AVP, you know, previously as well, coaching tight ends, but obviously, uh, you know, we're a lot more intertwined uh, this past season. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody really liked Drew. Uh, you know, I think he was popular with, with the players and, and the coaching staff as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think he, you know, is a guy that has always come off to me as pretty sharp. Talking to Jake Trotter, Cleveland Browns ESPN reporter. Uh, Jake, as, as far as what his job's going to be here in Arizona, a lot of it is going to involve Kyler Murray and working with Kyler Murray. And there's this perception that the Cardinals need somebody to get through to Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler's kind of an unknown himself in some ways, but uh, does Drew Petzing, in your experience, does he have that sort of it factor, leadership quality that the teams are looking for in that role? Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, you know, Drew is is you know a very optimistic type of coach. Um, you know, energetic, but in, in a positive way, right? Uh, you know, he worked with Baker Mayfield, uh, even though he was uh, you know the tight ends coach initially. So he'll have that connection with Kyler. Uh, you know, given that Kyler and Baker, you know, mm-hmm. are still very friendly from their days at Oklahoma. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be uh, you know interesting to see how it works. This is a big year for Kyler Murray. Uh, and, and Arizona, you know, in terms of the direction that they're going to go with him. But I, I do think that, that Petzing has been in some weird situations, some tough situations in Cleveland, and that, that's only going to help him, you know, adapt to the situation there in Arizona. Can you describe the offense for me? Because I, I look at the Cleveland Browns, and when I think of the Cleveland Browns, I think of a blending of the old and the new in the National Football League. What about you? Well, it's changing right now. I mean, they're going from, you know, two tight ends, three tight ends, you know, more often than anybody in the NFL. They would like to be, you know, wide open, throwing the ball downfield uh, with Deshaun Watson. And they kind of had two different offenses last year, the Jacoby Brissett offense. And then once Watson took over, you know, there was a lot more RPO. There was a lot more quarterback run game. Uh, You know, they were trying to get more receivers on the field. You know, their season finale against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it felt like they were empty almost every play. So that that's where they ended up. Um, but the offense has evolved over the years, uh, going from Baker Mayfield to Jacoby Brissett to uh, Deshaun Watson. They have tried to tailor it to who, whoever their quarterback has been. Uh, and so I imagine that that's going to be Petsing's focus there. Um, but, you know, they've, they've had some different systems in Cleveland – just due to the, the, I don't, you know, turmoil might be the right word, but uh, the the different quarterbacks that they have had to cycle through, uh, just in 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 the couple of years that Petsing has been was in Cleveland. Jake Trotter, Cleveland Browns ESPN reporter, joining us. Jake, you sort of alluded to it a, a couple questions ago, but but Petsing was in a unique situation last year with Brissett and knowing that Deshaun Watson was going to step in at some point. And it's not the same circumstances here, but that's most likely the Cardinals probably going to have a different quarterback for the first few weeks, but knowing Kyler Murray's going to step in. I know there's no way to know this for sure, but I have to think that experience probably appealed to the Cardinals as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think one of the strengths of 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 Petsing into the the interview process was, you know, I've I've been in some some unique situations and 
you know, I think we've done, you know, pretty well uh, with them. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge with, you know, the quarterback situation there uh, for sure. Ability uh, to, to de- and the personality to develop the rapport with Kyler that it kind of seemed like from the outside looking in at least. And, and knowing Kyler a little bit from when he was Oklahoma and then Cliff from when he was at Texas Tech, it kind of looked like those two guys just were out of sync toward the end of, of uh, Cliff's tenure there. Um, I do think, you know, Pat Cena is a fresh face and a guy that, uh, you know, I, again, was pretty well liked uh, by everybody that, that I talked to in Cleveland. You know, we'll have a chance to develop that kind of rapport uh, w- with Kyler that's going to allow him to be uh, successful. What is the personality of Drew Petzing? Can you, can you tell us a little bit about who the person is? I'm sorry, say, say that again. What person? Yeah, can you tell us about Drew Petzing and his personality? What kind of person he's he's like? Yeah, like I, you know, I would, you know, he was in the box uh, this past year, uh, so I would see him in the press box uh, a decent amount. We we uh, we both went to Division three colleges. So we're always talking about, you know, who was good in Division three football. Um, you know, I have a colleague, Bill Conley, who does like the Division three S and P rankings, and so I'd always. It's like, well, you know, Middlebury, uh, they're in the top 25. Oh, they, they fell out after that loss to Williams or whoever last weekend. Um, and, you know, I, I uh, did a big story in Stefanski when he first was the head coach uh, in 2020 during the COVID year. And uh, I think when I interviewed Petsing for it, he was he actually had COVID and was staying at like a hotel offsite where they were, you know, sequestering uh, anybody that had contracted the disease at the time and, you know, got to talk to them a little bit then. Uh, they, they had their first child, I think, that season as well. Um, so, it, yeah, he's got a, you know, young family um, and, uh, you know, a young guy, but energetic and has a lot of experience despite, despite his age. And, again, um, you know, easy to talk to, very well-liked, and uh, I think has a really good personality. Jake Trotter's joining us. Uh, Jake Stefanski is a is a young coach. The Cardinals are in a situation now where they have a 40-year-old coach, they have a 35-year-old offensive coordinator, and a 29-year-old defensive coordinator. Just in your experience around this league, what's what's your philosophy on having such a young coaching staff? I mean, it can go one of two ways. You know, you know speaking of, of Cliff Kingsbury, I remember when he took over at Texas Tech, uh, you know, he, he assembled one of the youngest coaching staff I, I think I'd ever seen, uh, you know, guys that were, you know, in their 20s that had played at Texas Tech with him. And um, it didn't work out that well. I know this is college. We're talking about the NFL. It didn't work out that well initially. And I think he learned, you know, he needed some more veteran presence to balance that out. Um, but, you know, when you're trying to relate to players, you know, sometimes if you're younger, uh, that can make it a little bit easier. Uh, if you have some younger coaches on your staff, but you know, like, listen, you can win with an older coaching staff. You can win with a younger coaching staff. It just ultimately what matters is, uh, you know, the chemistry and, and the acumen and the ability to, to, to win. And you, you can do it a lot of different ways. Um, you know, the jury's going to be out for sure because it is an unproven staff, but, uh, we've seen a lot of proven staffs, proven head coaches in the NFL not do so well, uh, when they've gotten another chance. So, Jake, what do the Browns need in the draft? Well, they need some picks is what they need. And I'm <laughs> they, don't uh, they don't have their first-round pick. Uh, their third-round pick uh, is with Houston as well this year. So, uh, 
you know, they, they do have their second rounder. Um, I think it kind of depends what happens in free agency, but essentially what they need is they need three starting defensive linemen and they need a speedy receiver mm. who can also catch the ball. So if they, you know, if they address the defensive line and free agency via trade, then maybe they go get that receiver in the draft. You know, if they get somebody like a DeAndre Hopkins, you know, probably not realistic, but if they get that receiver uh, during free agency or trade, then maybe they, they, they focus on the defensive line and the draft. Uh, but those are the two areas to watch. And, and I mean, I think right now they only, they only really have one starting caliber defensive lineman on the roster in Miles Garrett. So they've got a lot of work to do there. And as they transition this offense from, you know, Nick Chubb to Deshaun Watson being the identity of it, uh, they're going to need to uh, add some more receivers because, you know, Mari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones are good players, uh, but they didn't have a lot behind those guys at the receiver position this past season. If you're only going to have one starting caliber defensive lineman, Miles Garrett's probably a pretty good one to have. Yeah, uh, not so bad. No, it works out pretty well. Jake, thank you so much for the time and the insight, man. Take care. No problem, guys. Take Thanks, care. Jake. That's Jake Trotter, Cleveland Browns ESPN reporter, joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. We'll react to some of that, uh, what he had to say about Petsing and uh, and that Baker-Mayfield connection, too, that obviously uh, Kyler Murray has a little bit later on in the show. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, back to the Suns. We may just be three days away from the Kevin Durant debut with the Phoenix Suns. How long is it going to take this team to build chemistry once they all get healthy? They've got 22 games before the playoffs. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Did you see the punchki things that were out there in the newsroom? And now I'm seeing it all over Twitter, too. The what? I think it's pronounced punchki. Punchki. Yeah, they look like uh, they look like elaborate donuts. But no, I did this not seems see to be—it's it's like everywhere. Like they're only available today. Do we have a food that's only available one out of three, 365 days a year? Is that <laughs> this feels like a self-imposed Listen, limit? I'm trying to figure out what Riz means. Okay, okay. Well, that's because you read the wrong part of my I, email. I, just, I know. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Riz. Uh, we'll get KD on at some point, and, and he can uh, he can explain it to you. And speaking of KD, which we're going to be doing a lot as this week unfolds, because there's a pretty good chance his son's debut is Friday or Sunday. But either way, it's coming up here shortly. Um, Kevin Durant's over the weekend, All-Star weekend. By the way, before I jump into this, did you see Mac McClung in the uh, slam dunk competition? Yes. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that was unbelievable. <laughs> Just go, continue with your Kevin Durant, yeah, please. Yeah, but uh, that was like the first time in like 15 years that the, the slam dunk competitions be like, wait, I'm seeing dunks I haven't seen before. The Zach Levine, uh, Aaron Gordon year. That was that was another good one, too. But otherwise, it's been few and far between. Kevin Durant, All-Star Weekend, talked about how quickly chemistry can develop with a new team. If you're locked in enough, um, it can happen pretty fast. You've got veteran players that know how to play the game and no different terminology. So I think, you know, we put our mind to it, it can happen pretty quickly. Man, I love that right there, honestly. He, he's 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 putting the onus on his shoulders. He's putting the onus on on Chris Paul. He's putting the onus on Devin Booker. He's saying, you know what, listen, if you're locked in enough, it can happen pretty fast. 
Boy, I love that because it speaks to intensity right there. It really does. Like if you're focused, the concentration is there. If you're locked in, if you're intense enough, it can happen. He's putting the onus on their shoulders, and I like that. You don't see that an awful lot or hear that an awful lot. You know, the easy thing to say is, well, this is going to take some time. <laughs> this is going to, he didn't say that. He said, you know what? We're, if you're locked in enough, it can happen pretty fast. That was, um, that's what talent does for you, Luke. You know what, what, uh, depending what you believe coming out of Brooklyn, part of the issue that Kevin Durant had with the Nets is he didn't think that they were, practicing hard enough or going hard enough. Remember he had those quotes? It was, probably, it was right at the start of the season where he's like, no, I want to be challenged. I don't feel like we're going all in. Now, I don't know if he was looking directly at Ben Simmons as he was saying it or what. But And at that point in time, all I was thinking is, see, you were right about that, Ron. See, the drama, there's just stuff that's going around, circling around. And I ultimately was wrong because I didn't want to see that with the Suns. But the Suns, there was something missing. They needed KD. But I I don't think he's going to be somebody that shies away from bringing, putting the target on their back. You know what I mean? I think he wants that push. Like I said, I don't know Kevin Durant, but he's been in the league for a while. You feel like you kind of can pick up tendencies on people, and he sure seems like somebody that part of the appeal of coming to the Phoenix Suns because he knows Devin Booker is no nonsense, and he knows Chris Paul is no yeah. nonsense. Yeah. And I'm really fascinated by what his relationship with DeAndre Ayton is going to be like, because I'm guessing they don't know each other very well yet. But <laughs> I just I just picture Kevin Durant being like, who is this guy? i gotta, I got to learn more about him. Yeah, exactly. It was but, awesome. But that no-nonsense mentality that Chris Paul and Devin Booker have, it's not an act. It's it's the way they've always been their entire career. That, to me, appeals or would, would appeal to Kevin Durant. Yeah, I can't think about it coming from James Harden. Especially coming from where he's Kyrie, coming from. Ben Simmons. And, you know, oh, my goodness. The reaction when Ben Simmons this left like two weeks ago with another injury and nobody even nobody even shook his hand on the bench. They were yeah, like, oh, here we go again. He's got to be pretty jacked up right there and I'm wondering what's going on too. What's going on with Kevin Durant in his relationship with DeAndre Ayton? DA. KD and DA. What is that? You mentioned it right there and all I can think of is the first game that Kevin Durant, the first game he was sitting on the bench right there and watching DA go off on the floor, and yet at at one point, Chris Paul in a timeout walked up to him and got in his face, and he wasn't smiling when he was talking to DeAndre Ayton, and there was KD right behind CP, so CP went in as the bad cop, and suddenly here comes KD high-fiving him after it. The intensity was there with Chris Paul followed up by a huge smile by Kevin Durant, Behind CP3. Well, KD can kind of be, he can be one of the, uh, not one of the kids. I mean, DA is like the kid on this team, but, but KD doesn't, he's not, he's not the old vet on this team. That's Chris no, Paul. That's right. So he man. can kind of be like, that's ah, okay. We'll have some fun. We'll get him next time. I loved it. And, you know, you have to, you have to wonder what kind of impact is this going to have on DeAndre Ayton? We're, we're all going to have a front row seat. Uh, more from Durant over All-Star Weekend. By the way, let me just say this. My favorite part of All-Star Weekend yeah. was not having to watch Mikel Bridges play basketball in a Brooklyn uniform because there were no games. Yeah, that was sweet. my favorite part. The actual yeah. All-Star game itself on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I think we all know. It's time. <laughs> the, the NHL and the NFL both uh, 
adapted their all-star games, Pro Bowls, to uh, make yeah. them better. Yeah. Not just 200 or 360 points being scored and nobody trying to even stand in anybody's way. It's embarrassing. Here's more from KD, though, over All-Star Weekend. I don't think people watch the Phoenix Suns enough to say that, you know, and we got a couple guys back in this trade, but also signs Terrence Ross as well. So um, I, I, once our team gets hold, we'll figure out where we are and see see what needs the holes needs to be plugged in. But the easy thing is to say right now we don't have a bench. It's funny because when he says, I don't think people watch the Suns enough, don't you kind of get the feeling that Kevin Durant has been watching the Suns probably yes. more than just the last you know couple weeks, probably you know last year. Otherwise, why would he say he wanted to play here last summer? Probably this year when he was starting to, to make the decision of, do I want to try and get out of here again? Um, yes. I don't know. That's the, the, As far as the depth, I mean, I read off some of the names before, and I can read them again. They... You need, what, nine players, let's say, in the playoffs. Nine players you, like, legitimately trust. Maybe a tenth there as an option or whatever. But you're not you're not going 12 deep in the playoffs. They've got what, way more than nine players. It's just a matter of figuring out how they all fit together and who's yeah. going to give you what you need. That's why these guys got to get healthy and start playing together. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of the talent quotient for the Phoenix Suns right now. You need two things. When you play in a physical sport, I was talking about this a little bit earlier, when you play a physical sport, and basketball is a physical sport, yes, it's not as physical as hockey, it's not as physical as football, we all understand that and know that, but it's still a very physical sport in terms of of putting a lot of pressure on your body <laughs> physically and there's a lot of athleticism it, it's it's the most athletic league on the face of the planet the NBA it is and when i think of the talent the Suns have. I also think of the toughness that they have. The toughness of Devin Booker. The toughness of Chris Paul. The toughness, hopefully, of Kevin Durant. And the resiliency of all of them put together. I cannot wait to see the chemical reaction that is going to happen on Friday if, in fact, it's going to be Kevin Durant playing, making his first appearance in a Phoenix Suns uniform on Friday. Cannot wait to see what that, what kind of impact that has on all of them. Not just KD, not just Devin Booker, not just Chris, all of them together. Can't wait to see it. We should bring Kellen Olsen in here at some point this week and just have him cut down the roster to what he thinks ideally it would be in the playoffs. It feels like something we should just spring on him without any notice. Because if you just look at their roster, okay, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, Campaign, Torrey Craig, Darius Baisley, Bismack Biombo, TJ Warren, Damian Lee, Josh Okogie, Jock Landale, Terrence Ross. I mean, I've named nine players yeah. plus. Right. So it's not, it, the chemistry is big, but... I really think the biggest thing is Monty Williams being able to see this group out there healthy and being like, okay, that guy's good, but he's not really going to be a big piece for us in the playoffs. This guy may give us exactly what we need with those other four guys. The uh, web flower just went nuts out there. They're like, man, that's a great, Lou, that's a great topic. All, I'm going to write on that. They're all writing it right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Real quick, I do want to let Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves weigh in. You know, they got KD, but we got Jaden McDaniels. It's true. I mean, that is factually true. You, I guess you could say that about anybody, right? Why, why would you do that? I, I don't understand this. We played this earlier, and I don't understand why he would say that, because it kind of makes him look a little uh, silly. The thing is— And it, it definitely 
makes his teammate look silly. Anthony Edwards is a beast, so I don't want to like laugh at him. And I know that he's just trying to stand up for his teammate. And I know that's a two-second snippet of something bigger he was saying. But he was saying it in the context of, yeah, they got Kevin Durant, but we got Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. And I saw people responding like, well, maybe he knows something. Maybe, maybe, uh, no. <laughs> Jaden McDaniels is Jayden, not Kevin Durant. I'll Jayden, go out on a limb on that Jayden one. Jaden McDaniels averages, what, 11.4 points per game. You know, I'm just saying. Why would you do that? Why would unless you were ripping him? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe you were just ripping him because he's your teammate and you want to rip him. That feels like something you would do off, Mike. Yeah, that's supposed to off. Like I don't know that, that that was his intention. I think he's probably in a tough spot if they're asking him about Kevin Durant. And he's that's like, well, who do we have? Pretty inane. Uh, all right, just announced. Guns and Roses are heading to Chase Field October 11th. It really is just announced because Wolf pointed this out like an hour and a half ago. Welcome to the jungle. On your Guns N' Roses we got uh, fun and games. email thread that you're on, although I got yes. it too. Tickets go. How many times have you seen Guns N' Roses, do you think? Um, twice. I've, I've seen them once. That's, yeah, yeah I, twice. I've seen them. Not with you, but I have seen them. Uh, you can see them. Chase Field, October 11th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by texting ROSES to 620-620. That's ROSES to 620-620. Welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses fans. When we come back, could Nick Rallis be the best thing for Isaiah Simmons specifically? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hi, right, welcome back to the show. The um, the window to use franchise tags is now open. I feel like we should throw that yes. out there. So if anybody's driving around and yes. they want to franchise tag somebody, this is your, your chance to do it. Although if you're not an NFL GM, it really doesn't pertain to you. But still. Now the window is open. Lamar Jackson is out there. Has he been franchised yet? You got until March 7th, but the window has been open right now from today to March 7th. You can franchise tag somebody. I feel like I should I should throw this at you, too. The uh, positional values for the franchise tag this year. Quarterback, $32.4 million. 32 points. Pays to be a quarterback. Uh, so I'm trying. Second highest is a linebacker, $20.9 million. Wow. Uh, defensive end, $19.7 million. i got to be honest, Wolf, I don't see fullback on here. Okay, so... See every position except fullback. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> I know. Even punter and kicker. Um, okay, linebacker. Does it say edge? Uh, defensive end, 19.7 Defensive tackle, 18.9. Linebacker, 20.9. So, wow. yeah, if you're in that, like, in-between yeah. zone, I just mm. I, I would assume you're in the, like, 20.2 range, maybe? 20.3? Yeah, I would imagine. That's odd right there that they haven't declared edge. Yeah. The edge position. I'm sure that... Whether defensive end or a linebacker. That won't cause any problems in negotiations somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> People are usually pretty calm when millions of dollars are on the line. Um, speaking of defense... Nick Rallis, 29 years old, going to be the uh, Cardinals' defensive coordinator. Now, just big picture, I like the concept of you have a defensive-minded head coach, and I know some people hate it. I know some people think it's an offensive-minded league. you got to go offense. Maybe you'll be proven right. Uh, but I'm glad the Cardinals didn't hire a guy just because he's an offensive mind. Defensive-minded head coach, I believe you do have a lot of good young talent on this defense. Some of that hinges on bringing Zach Allen back. But you can convince me with a defensive-minded head coach and a defensive coordinator that he's tight with, Nick Rallis, yeah. and a defense that has Buda Baker and Zach Allen and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, and 
You've got pieces on defense now. Yes. Jalen Thompson. Yes. Byron yes. Murphy. Yes. Byron Murphy. Hopefully, we'll Let's, see. Yeah. Zach Allen. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. The first thought that I had when I heard that Nick Rallis was being hired as the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals was surprise. That was the first one right there. Because we did not hear Nick Rallis. We didn't hear his name being bantied, but at least I didn't. No, I mean, there. we had Dave Spadaro on earlier, and he said, you know, in Philadelphia, they kind of had a feeling just because of the of how tight he and Jonathan Gannon were that if Gannon went sure. somewhere, it might be Rallis. Right. But you're right. It's not like we had been hearing that for weeks and weeks no, here. No, we had not been hearing that, and we don't live in Philadelphia. We live right here, of course. We do not live in Philadelphia. So that, was, that was surprising right there. Number two, um... I'm hearing so many good things about this young guy, Nick Rallis. I'm hearing so many good things, and I'm not talking about from the Arizona Cardinals. The the same people that told me they loved the JG hire, Jonathan Gannon hire, they say this guy is on his way to becoming a star as well. And you know what? I'm going to adopt a prove-it approach, ladies and gentlemen, because the NFL is a meritocracy. Listen, if you haven't done it before, I'm not going to say you're going to do it. I'm not going to believe you're going to do it. I'm going to make you go out and prove it. Oh, my goodness. I can guarantee you Nick Rollis right now wouldn't have it any other way because that's who he is. Jonathan Gannon wouldn't have it any other way. You know, this is what you do, whether you're a coach or a player. You got to prove it. You got to prove that you can do it. You got to prove that you can become a defensive coordinator and go out and actually do the job and do it well. You got to prove that you've been drafted as a cornerback and you're going to play corner. You got to prove that you've got the talent and you've got the skill and you've got the ability to actually hold up and be an NFL corner. You got to prove it. This is why I don't mind saying that. Yeah, okay. Great. You know what? I love the hire. I'm hearing so many good things. About Nick Rollis as the defensive coordinator. He's 29 years old. Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis, they work so well together. This guy's a star. He's going to be a head coach at some point in the National Football League. That's great. I get it. It beats the alternative. But ladies and gentlemen, prove it. The NFL is the ultimate meritocracy. You have to prove that you can actually do the job well, to stick. There, there's a lot that I do like about Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rallis, and to a certain extent, Drew Petzing too. But none of them have proven it in the jobs that That's they're. What I'm saying, yeah, none of them have like failed in the jobs they're about to do either. It's 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 like it's like making a major purchase and you don't have credit yet, right? You don't have good credit or bad credit yet. You just you're like a credit ghost almost. It's hey. like it's like coming out of college and, and nobody will give you a job because you don't have experience. You're like, well, how am I supposed to get experience? Yeah. I don't have the job yet. Let's see. Jonathan Gannon, okay, he's going to, I, I would imagine he's going to be heavily involved in um, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Heavily involved in their development, right? I, I would, do you think he's going to take a prove it mentality with Zayvon Collins or just... I don't know, give him the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) No, no, he's going to coach him. And he's going to say, listen, I've seen you on tape. I see what you have. You got to prove it. You can do 
what I want you to do with this defense. You got to prove it. You think Nick Rollis is going to just make the assumption that Isaiah Simmons can actually be the guy, or is he going to have to prove that he can be the guy? You you know what the answer is. This is the audio you pulled. You, Producer Wolf, pulling this audio of Nick Rollis uh, last summer, talking about how long it takes guys to get comfortable playing in the box. You're going to start talking about Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, every guy is different, but that is always the adjustment. If a guy hasn't played stacked behind the ball, is process, right? Mm. You process things a little bit faster down low because those linemen, they get up quick. The run-pass reads, they happen fast for you. So that's the biggest adjustment if a guy has never played in the box is how quickly can he get used to going through his keys and getting to where he needs to get to, getting his eyes in the right spot, going back to 100% block attention. All of that process all right, is kind of the adjustment if a guy hadn't played in the box before. And everyone is different, right? It's going to take some guys a day. Some guys it might take uh, a couple weeks. I wanted to make sure I got that audio in because I know you have a lot to say about it. Yeah, you know, I said it when they drafted Hassan Reddick and they were going to move him off the ball. That was going to be the toughest thing you could possibly imagine. It's very difficult to do that in the National Football League to be a rookie. I don't care if you were playing on the line and they moved you off the ball. Take Zavin Collins, by way of example. This is a guy that was there at Tulsa, and he was playing off the ball as their Mike linebacker. The adjustment in the National Football League to be an inside linebacker is tremendous. It's hard. It is so hard to play Mike linebacker when you're a rookie. It's really, really difficult. And because of that, even when you're a second-year guy, you're still developing. Now, you know, depending on the process and the ability to be able to process, it's going to vary from guy to guy. It always does. It's, it's not like there's never any exceptions to the rule. There always are exceptions to the rule. But the rule in the NFL, for the most part, if you're playing inside linebacker, and you're coming from college, it's going to be a tough transition right there, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's, why make it harder than it needs to be? You know, why why, why move Isaiah Simmons all over the field unless you have to? And I know the pushback last year would be like, well, so many guys were hurt, they needed to. And, and that at least holds a little more water with me than, well, yeah, but look at what he can do, like, the most basic thing that you have been saying, and Zoe has been saying this when he's in here too, and I think this would have, this, anybody that has played any sport at any level can relate to this. It's how you're seeing the game. It's what angle you're seeing the field from. You can't just say, well, this guy's a linebacker, so he can do all this. That would be like having your pitcher pitch from shortstop. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's so good. He can just pitch from shortstop. How about you put him in position to succeed instead? Instead of trying to assume he's going to be the greatest defender in the history of the game and he can just play every position. It's very difficult. It really is. And this is one of the areas, I think, that I'm most excited about is the fact that Jonathan Gannon is coming in here with Nick Rollis. These are these are new dudes who are going to be squaring up Zayvon Collins. New dudes that are going to be squaring up Isaiah Simmons. I don't know if it's going to work or not, basically. I don't. But I just know the potential is there with a new voice to bring him along at a different gear. Uh, we come back. How much has Chris Paul already helped Kevin Durant in his transition to becoming a member of the Phoenix Suns? Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.